Welcome back to the Ultimate Playlist Podcast full of choice tracks. I'm Dietrich. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. And I'm Taj. (laughs) Back there with the smoker's cough. (laughs) Montage. 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 So for those who don't know, we uh, have a little podcast where we go around and make up themes. And because of those themes, we like to put our favorite music uh, to try to match up what those themes would mean to us. And no, we're not paid sponsorship or anything of that nature. This is strictly what we love to do because we all love music and we love talking about it. So in that situation, we're going to change it over to what's called side A. Taj, go ahead and drop that needle. All right. And for side A, this is referring to um, something that I think we all have some kind of connection to. Um, mainly it's the reason why we're here. Uh, it's because our parents decided to get together one night and uh, Netflix and chill and uh, said a little music. And next thing you know, nine months later, we were born. And uh, it's called uh, maybe a little bit thirsty. You know, you might want, want a little bit of love and you might uh, want to let's get it on type feeling. So um, thinking about what kind of song would you actually put to set the mood in order to get everything in the right proper place? If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. So my pick for this particular uh, theme um, was a song that um, literally as soon as I heard it, I fell in love with it. For two reasons. One, because I love the artist that sung it. And two, because the sultry, seductive way in which she sung said song uh, really had some things going in my pants that I wasn't really trying to think about at the time. Um, For those who don't know, I'm talking about one of the most prolific families in the world. uh, But she just so happened to come up with herself and, and, and take over the world by storm especially on her second go around none other than the fabulous miss jackson if you're nasty aka jenna jackson with song choice of mine was anytime any place Yeah, I had to leave that pause right there just so I could get my mind right in order to finish out the statement um <laughs> So, with that being said, uh, this was on her Janet album. Uh, this was uh, definitely one of those songs that was slow. It was seductive. It took over the world by storm because everybody knew Janet as a singer and she was a dancer and, and all over the place. This really took Janet to the next level because nobody expected this type of song to come from her. It really came out of left field, so to speak. So, um, and for those who don't know, uh, just have to go back and watch the video. It's got sweat and everything all over the place. And uh, it's her being her just seductive self as, as best as she could be back in 1993. So I think I was eighth grade going into to being a freshman and just looking like, uh, yeah, if I ever get a chance to get it in there, so to speak, this is the song I'm on playing in the background is my first time, you know in the back of a car or something of that nature. So, fellas, what are y'all thinking about this particular track? How y'all feel about it? 
so it I'll, I'll admit I've not familiar with Janet Jackson. Like I haven't listened to a lot of stuff, but uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> this song for sure uh, meets a theme. Like it is, it's up there. Like it's it's really. I, yeah, you you know what she's talking about, like, and she ain't being shy about it, and and the fact that um, she doesn't care, she just wants it, you know, is interesting. What I think is also kind of interesting is it it fades out to raining, so it's like, okay, I get I get what you're trying to get me there with an innuendo, so I was like, okay, so, but yeah, that that was it's yeah. I could see playing that for sure. Yeah. So, nice. <laughs> Brandon. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this this is a great choice. Um, I've always been a fan of Janet Jackson, and uh, I actually remember buying this album when it first came out. I have it. I still have it on CD. Um, you know, I, I bought it because I liked her mu- music, but I also think I bought it maybe for the wrong reasons, you know, this because cover? Yeah. <laughs> that cover, but especially the back of the the cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely oh. mesmerized uh, when I was a teenager by by that uh, album cover. Um, and then, of course, the music videos that they were playing on, on loop when that album came out. Um, so... Yeah, I've, I've always been, been a fan of the album. I've always liked that track. Um, it's a great album. It's a great song. It definitely serves its purpose. If you know what I mean, and I think you do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a great song. And, um, yeah, big, I, I love that album. I mean, I remember playing that album on, on, on repeat back when, uh, when I first had it. Um, so yeah, no, great choice and definitely, yeah, I think it fits, fit, uh, fits the criteria. Um, it, yeah, it's good, good song, good choice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Damon, what's your thoughts, man? Well, I, I actually wanted to share this first. So, uh, cool. Yeah. So that's Robin, my wife. Uh, she's, she was an art major and this was one of her projects. So pretty awesome, right? Uh, and I think that was that was, must have been the late '90s when she did that. That was when she was in college. But uh, so we, I, I believe it was twenty, uh, was it 2018 or 2019? We saw it was like a was a 30th uh, anniversary of Rhythm Nation. Ooh. So they came they came through Austin, and we have a place called the. Uh, uh, 360 Amphitheater. I, I believe it's called like Germania now, but that's just outside of Austin, Texas. Um, great show. So I wanted to, you know, just wanted to put that out there that we're, we're definitely fans of Janet Jackson. I never got to see any of the other Jacksons, uh, on stage, but, um, I was very, very excited to go see her. And that's just like any other band that's, that's just iconic from the nineties, you know? Um, I guess goes back further than that. The Jacksons have been around forever doing their thing, but, uh, ah, man. Yeah. So she is beautiful. Of course. Yeah. But her voice is great. She was great on stage. I mean, you, you could, she didn't miss a beat. You know what I mean? Um, but no, this, this is like, this is a great song. This is a nice, this is where, this is kind of like my, 
chill type of music. Um, she's she's got a very similar tone to like Mariah Carey and some other artists, I think, with some of their slower stuff. Um, maybe it's just like I I wouldn't say they're the same artists. Like they're they're not the same exact music, but it's um yeah, it's all that kind of category for me for late eighties, early nineties to now. But um yeah, no this 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 song like the lyrics in in the song are. Uh, is she talking about like I'm gonna do whatever I want in front of people? I don't care what you think. Like, is it like a racial thing? I'm not really sure exactly where that's going. No, it was just an age thing. It was strictly a sexual thing. It was her releasing her sexual boundaries, her coming out of her shell, going into her womanhood, and who you want to be. Any, any, any time, any place. You know, I'm. She, she don't care if anyone's around. She wants to get it in, and um. Yeah, like that's this is one of those songs that if you really think about it, it could hold up today. Like it's one of those timeless pieces that when right. you put it on, it's not dated, um, so to speak. It's got a light tone to it, light voice. Um, she carries she carries the rhythm very nice and the, the sensuality just oozes out of the track. Mm. It's like yeah. it's hard not to get in the mood when you hear it. So for me, it's like <laughs> definitely one of those yeah. things is like, yeah. And so I'll turn it on and and act like, you know, she was, you know, calling me from the bathroom to come to the stage or she was going to do a lap dance on me or something of that nature. Um, you know, those are childhood dreams. And uh, I still may be able to get them, you know, for it, whatever the situation may be. I just have to buy those tickets and see what happens. My wife's already given me permission if that happens. So I'm okay. I got the hall pass. But, oh, she's on the list, huh? All right. Yeah. She's on the short list that I won't get in trouble for. Good get, luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It's it's a pipe dream, but get, like ten feet away, yeah. get get like some kind of like you know security. No, 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 no. Helicopters fly in. I can get, <laughs> I can get the lap dance on stage, and she'll be cheering for me. Just know that the next male artist that she wants to go see that might actually happen on the other side. So I just have to be okay with that. But, but yeah, right. She does get crazy on stage. Well, like uh, like some other artists that you know from that generation. Um, they, you know, she definitely has like a wardrobe change. She's wearing leather sometimes, like, you know, she's dancing provocatively. I mean, that's, it's a great show. Like, they're, they're, they are dancers. I mean, these backup dancers for a group like Janet Jackson, it's insane. I don't know what they have to do to get to where they're at, but it's like gymnastics, you know, like anything that's like, Totally insane. Like I've been to Vegas and I've seen some of these dancers and it's like they, they don't have any fat on their body. They're, I mean, I'm sure they're probably in their twenties, thirties, whatever. But, uh, I mean, she's doing it too and she's not young either. She's not, well, she's not old, but she's not getting any younger. And, you know, kudos to her, you know, and uh, just, just like any of these other artists that I've seen recently, there's a, there's a revival of like nineties kind of. So yeah, that's great, man. Cool. Cool. All right, so Brandon, hit us with your hit, man. What, what, what you got that's going to get you in the mood and make things kind of spicy around your household? All right. So the song I went with was originally released in 1996, 
and it was from Paula Cole's album, This Fire. And that album is known for a couple big hits, uh, like the song that was the uh, theme song to Dawson's Creek. And then the other song was Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? I think that was the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but the song that I picked, um, I picked because I heard it originally in the soundtrack to City of Angels. And that movie came out in 1998. I didn't hear it originally when it came out in 96. I remember remember it from the City of Angels soundtrack, which had Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. And the song was Feel in Love. You make me feel like Mr. Um, so in 98, I, I saw this movie at the theater and I bought the soundtrack and then my, well, she wasn't my girlfriend yet, but my, my future girlfriend, future wife, we were, you know, talking a lot on the phone. And we both had seen the movie and we used to talk about that movie and we used to talk about that soundtrack. And that was one song that we both really liked. Um, I, I love how sultry the song is. I love the lyrics. I think what's really interesting about the song. And I think she's talked about it, Paula Cole, that she wanted to write a song about woman's sexual feelings, which is something that you don't get a lot in songs. You know, and she definitely wanted to explore that. And I think that she <laughs> does that very well. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. just her voice in that song. How how seductive it is. The words and, you know, it's it's a it's a little dirty and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's great. And I even I was reading something that she had even said that, you know, men appreciate the song. And uh, she had said after concerts, a lot of people take that song home with them if you follow. And I <laughs> totally know what she means. Um, yeah, it's I, I love the song. I think it's a great song. Definitely c- can get you in the mood. Um, it definitely is a, a, a great song for for me and my wife loves it. Um, that That's my choice. Fill in Love by Paula Cole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody else go first. I always go first. Are, are you feeling the love right now? <laughs> Brandon's getting a little red over there. It's all good. Oh wait, he cut his camera off. Oh, Amy, what are you doing? Wait, stop. No, like, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, this. You know what? You know what I like about about your style and my style, and I know we got two other people here, but we're not talking about them right now. What what <laughs> I like about our style is you take the sultry notes and 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 amplify them for what's supposed to be done. I love that. I lo- I love your choices mainly because um, there is something that if you put it out there and it's something that I've never heard before. It's something that I honestly would give a, a honest listen to because more than likely nine times out of 10 is something that I'm going to like. 
And if I know that I'm hearing this and, and I'm putting this on in rotation, I'm not going to get cussed at saying, what the hell is that? Because it's going to fit right into the mold of everything else that I got going on. So kudos to you, my friend. That was a good one. Nice. So, yeah, uh, I like the song. I'm not sure. I think I might have had the album. I can't remember. It's been a while since I, I listened to it. Um, the yeah, I mean, for sure the the vocals on it, like you get the the emotion from there. And um, I was just now looking at the lyrics for it, and I guess yeah, I was paying more attention to the music and the vocal uh, than the lyrics. And it's like, yeah, the, the lyrics are are on point for sure. I was like, how did I miss? Like, I don't know. I need to get my ears checked. I guess. <laughs> so. Because <laughs> looking at the lyrics, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for sure. But yeah, it, it's it's on point for sure. Yeah, like, I, I love it when songs are, are are like kinky, like nasty without being full blown nasty. Like you throw your innuendos in there. And for those who are smart enough to pick up on it, you get it. It's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, those are the best songs in the world. That's how R&B used to be, you know, back in the day when they were, you know, talking about laying down with somebody, but they didn't actually say that they were putting their penis in somebody's orifice or anything of that nature. They just kind of made you assume it <laughs> situation. You know, last night I was inside of you. I saw the sun, the moon, the stars, South Mountains being with you. And it's like. Okay, you were looking at her ass in the air. I get it. Like, but yeah, I I love the innuendos. They're great. So, sure. What do you think, Kevin? Oh, man. Yeah, this is like uh, different from Paula Cole than I I would have expected. And I didn't really understand, like, I didn't really listen to the lyrics when I heard this before. Because I've heard the song before, but I didn't realize she, you know, she was going into such detail. But so what do you think, Brandon? Is there another underlying like message other than just what she's saying? Or is it just like it's very direct? It's, it's, it's very much a love song, I think. I mean, I just want to think. So this song is an older song, right? This what, what when did this come out? It came out in 1996. So 96 things are very different than they are than they were even in like 2006. But now, you know. Nowadays, I'm not sure if this would be something that Paula Cole would want to do again or not. You know what I mean? Um, maybe, maybe not. It's a very truthful song. Some of the lyrics were like, so like at the end of the song, I was confused a little bit by, I really like the song. So I think it's a very pleasant, it's a very nice vibe and it sounds really good. It's like right up my alley. <laughs> some of the lyrics are just, they're crazy and they're good. They're crazy good. But some of them are like really confusing too. Am I Barry White? Am I ISIS? <laughs> I don't know where where that's going as far as like as far as like what she's trying to say there, but it's, it's so that's what makes me think like I wonder what the message is. Like she's trying to say more than just like, you know, let's get it on. You know what I mean? I I think that's what she's saying is let's get it on. I think that's all that she's saying. Is, yeah. I think she's she's exploring her desire, and uh, okay. you know this isn't about this isn't about what the man wants. This is about what she wants. Yeah. 
Which is like, it's like the same message that you would hear in something that would be like a song about, you know, women's rights or like, or like just anything like, like a breakup song or something like that from Taylor Swift. Or it's kind of like the message is, this is about me, not you. It's not a breakup song, obviously. It's the opposite of that. But yeah, that this is, I don't know. I, yeah, it, I would put it in a different category, but yeah. So. Well, well, music like this and a lot of music, I think especially more so today, I feel like it's about sending a message um, to people that maybe are misunderstanding what a woman wants or what a person wants. You know what I mean? So I guess that does fall in that category. Um, 96, things are a little different. I was I was very different in 96. I know that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I like it. I think all of our picks are going to have a different message. <laughs> maybe, maybe a similar message. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think music was trying to get the same message out then in the in the mid '90s as it is now. I don't know about that one. I think in in this situation for this topic that we're talking about, the message is pretty clear. <laughs> right, it's very damn clear. <laughs> from from a guy's standpoint or a woman's standpoint, right. it's clear what's wanted and what's perceived in the situation. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a. It's, it's, it might be you know some might go different routes in order to get it out. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, I think it's all the same. Everybody wants to get it in. Guys don't want to choke the chicken. They want to go ahead and bang. Girls don't want to be considered little flowers. They can get down and dirty too. So, yeah, it's it's, it's one of those type of feelings. So yeah. I, I think that's another reason why everybody's kind of like, kind of like weird about the situation because you don't right. really express to people what you like to get it onto. You know. <laughs> So there's like different styles of that too. Completely like very white, you know, like, you know, that's a man, but like men, women, you know, what, whichever artist it is. Yeah. There's, there's a message of love out there. Most artists have their message of love for sure. Yes. And whether they choose to express it directly or indirectly or whatever the situation is, they're getting their message out and people are doing things to their messages. So it's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And that's what I think the theme of this situation is. And it makes us uncomfortable because like I said, it's nothing, nothing that we just (laughs) talk about on a regular basis, but we're all, we're all friends here. You know, it's just us girls. We're okay. We'll be all right. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. So, I, I like the I like the Dawson's Creek for reference too. That that was probably one of my favorite shows at that time. I, I think I did a little bit of like uh, extra work when I first moved to Austin in the nineties, and I got to got to see James Vander Vanderbeek uh-huh. um, from afar. <laughs> I, I got to see the cast there. Um, I don't I don't know if uh, they were all there. I think it was like a limited limited cast for the scenes. But, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. And I think I do remember Paula Cole being on a lot of stuff like TV shows. Um, I'm sure soundtracks, all that in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and she's, she's a little bit older, uh, than us, Brandon, but, uh, she still got that vibe. She got that surprising vibe. I was just like, Paula, I didn't expect that from you. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I'm human too. I'm looking at you a little different right now. Uh-oh. Right. Is that uh, a fire extinguisher? 
Man, I'm telling you. Uh, Damon, go ahead and give us hit us what you pick, man. What you got? So, uh, much much like the the song picks that you all have picked, this artist kind of was like she kind of had a, this message in a lot of her music at the time on purpose, and this album is specifically about getting it on. Um, so the artist is Madonna, and I mean she's iconic for. A lot of sexual, uh, I guess, like portrayal in, in in her music. She had she had started her uh, beginnings in New York City. I think she showed up in Times Square and said, "This is where I'm going to be. This is where it's all going to start." And she, you know, she she went through a lot. I think she actually was a victim of sexual violence. Um, I believe she she might have been a victim of rape and. I, or I, I think that's how the story goes, but there is there is a lot of reasons for her to not have music like this. But I think she didn't let that hold her back. She wanted to send a message and express herself, which I think is part of her lyrics. But um, uh, so this album, Erotica, with a song titled by the album Erotica. So that's it's it's definitely this is definitely a sexual, very sexual song for many reasons, not just, you know, here it is, sex, you know, get it on. That's part of it, too. But um, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that there's probably a lot of messages out there that I I don't fully know, you know, with all of her music. But she was on a lot of a lot of talk shows that she you know where she talked about you know her music and what it meant. Um I think she had a lot of like uh, backlash from like parents and stuff like that too, uh, you know, explicit lyrics and that sort of thing. Which I think, you know, that's going to happen. But hey, freedom of speech, right? I think I think she does it really well. I've seen her live twice. Uh, my wife's a big fan of Madonna, and I, I actually uh, enjoyed every second of the shows. And you know, like like the artists that we picked that we've all picked tonight, I think. Um, Janet Jackson would be up there with you know her stage presence too. Uh, she's doing costume changes and she's got the whole thing going on with like back background dancers. I think she had like a laser light show at one. It was like spectacular looking. Um, but um, so around around this time of erotica, she also had a a coffee table book um, that that came out that was like uh, I believe it was called Sex. <laughs> Straight up sex. And it had explicit like photos and just stuff that would make you blush, right? I don't I don't know if you'd want to have that out with your parents hanging out, but uh um so that's 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 where this went. And it was very much so a message of kind of like you know, our other artists that we've all picked. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm a woman too, I'm a human. Women are sexual too, you know, deal with it. But very tasteful, I, I believe, in my mind. But so, so what? Uh, what do y'all think of Madonna's Erotica? So, uh, I'm not sure that I, I had heard it before. Um, you know, coming from. So I'm just going to talk about my <laughs> conception of that era. You know, this is very much when, um, you know, um, 
erotica novels started taking off in the 90s and romance novels you know started really being <laughs> taking off a lot and so um it's interesting because this is kind of like this song is more bdsm than <laughs> any of the other songs <laughs> and and so you know this is this is where you get your uh, story of O, which I think story of O is older than this. This is where you get your Fifty Shades of Grey. Like this is this is that niche that it's covering <laughs> for a song, you know, um, and and you know everybody, <laughs> it's interesting for sure. So um, yeah, so it, it was an interesting song. <laughs> Yeah, and you'll yeah. see you'll see that she talks about this with like I think it's like David Letterman, I I, I would think Conan O'Brien, I believe. Like I know she's been on a lot of like talk shows discussing her sexuality and just the, right. the, the whole the book, this the book called Sex. Um Erotica was definitely there. I mean it was it's definitely an S and M, like she's wearing leather on stage and but that's all stage presence. You know, she's very much so an actress. She's been in movies. Um I'm a fan of her. You know, she's I'm sorry. Well, movies that no, movies that don't have anything to do with her songs. <laughs> but uh, I think she might have done something crazy back in the early '80s before she was famous. But uh, I can't remember exactly what that was. I don't want to go into something I don't know about. But uh, um, she's also she's been a she's been a um, a big influence for other artists too, and she's helped them make it big. And, you know, that's, I think that's great, especially female artists that are trying to find their way in the music industry. It, it can be really difficult. So, um, yeah. When, yeah. And so what, and what, the last thing I'll say is what I always thought like this era of Madonna, and I may be wrong, but like it, there was kind of this weird cycle that was going on and Madonna broke the cycle. Or she tried. To, I think this was her trying to break the cycle because there was, you know, when you're, you know, the female artist was like in her, you know, early teens, early twenties. You know, you have sweet poppy move music, and then you have like serious music. And this, I don't know, it, it seemed weird because it was this was her trying to distinguish herself from Mariah Carey, who was the next up and coming around this. And she's like, well, I gotta find my own new niche, and, and so it was interesting that this is kind of where she went but maybe maybe i'm wrong but so she started out yeah no i mean so she started out like she was in like desperately seeking susan and she was doing like more of a poppy sound in the beginning i think that i love the early madonna and then i like this 90s kind of like she has another album called bedtime stories i believe and that's I mean, she's got like Ray of Light that came out even later in the 2000s or late late 90s, 2000s. Um, I mean, she's actually got like a, like a ton of albums. She was a big influence for Britney Spears. Britney Spears was a huge pop artist too. She's got her own issues, and you know, she just became free from her father, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, there there definitely is like there was a change in her music, and I don't know if it was based on trying to be different or if it, you know, from the other artists that were like her or like her similar, like similar to her, like early stuff. I think the early stuff was a big influence on other artists too. And I think it was a little bit different at the time, but yeah. I look at Madonna as a, a pop icon. 
and not just because she's been around for dang near 40 years and then some. It's it's more so the fact of she's one of those artists who constantly reinvents herself. Um, she's always right. in on, on the cutting edge of what she can put out versus what they allow her to put out. And more so it's about um, like even when she came out in the early pops, like like a virgin and things of that nature, there was always a sexual undertone when it came to her. No matter what happened, she always had that sexual undertone. So it's always been there. And then just like a player, she released it. Um, and then from there, it just literally took on its own um, monstrosity uh, of a situation. Kind of like how Lady Gaga came in you know, a little crazy and then went all the way crazy with it because she was following the same trend of what Madonna was doing, which is I can push the limit as far as I want and still keep it to where the music is relevant at the same time. Now Madonna's running around here with with a a, a BBL Brazilian butt lift and got gold teeth in her mouth and she's, you know, still trying to reinvent herself and how she comes across. But it's it's. It's kind of looking like, okay, where, what boundary can you push now? Because you've already pushed the boundaries out for where these new artists are at now to where they're coming out with just blatant stuff. So how are you relevant in today's time? And she's relevant in today's time just based off of her name. Off of her name alone, she can go anywhere she wants. She can do whatever she wants. And folks are still intrigued by her because she's not falling for the okie doke, so to speak. Um, as far as this song, this hits right there with me for, um, Justify My Love, which was like, you know, her release of her quote unquote sex tape, her release of her, um, nudity and everything else that she put out. Right. So it was right around that time of, of her being, Madonna and not having to answer to anybody else about who she was. So it's, it fits right in that world, that will of, you know, trying to get it on because that's the kind of person she is. She personifies getting it on. And this was early nineties too. I mean, that's, I think that was like groundbreaking for the time. And there weren't a lot of female artists doing this at all. Really? I mean, she's the first for a lot of stuff. So, but I think that she's relevant in a way now where she influences younger female artists to do what they want to do and not feel bad about it or feel ashamed, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a great thing. It really is. But, yeah, she's awesome in concert. If you ever get to see her, uh, you know, you might not think you want to go to Madonna, but you do. You do. You Trust do. me. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh really? A Madonna? Just, a what? <laughs> you want to go to a Madonna concert there, Brandon? <laughs> Probably not. But it's not because I don't I don't like Madonna. But she's gonna be in like big venues, and I hate big venues. Oh, you know, like I want to be. I want to see her in more of a intimate, you know, setting. And you're not gonna get that with her. I was gonna say, so, good luck. That would be an amazing show, but that, right, right. Like if she did like an acoustic set or something, I could see that. You know. Yeah. So it's not. It's not like I dislike yeah. Madonna. I just couldn't. I couldn't go to an arena and go see her. I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy that. You might as well just watch it on your television. You know, um, I totally get that. Like we've gone to shows where we just wanted to be as far away from the stage as possible, but we still wanted to see the show. So, yeah. Yeah. But but to me, it's like you might as well just watch it on your TV. If you're looking at the Megatron, you might as well just 
watch it on your television. Um, yeah. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> uh, to, to bring it back to the song, um, I, I don't I don't dislike the song. I, I think the song's fine, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know we all have our things, you know, like like the things that like get you in the mood, things that might turn you on, your kinks, right? And uh, this is not that kind of song for me. Like I just it doesn't work for me. Like it, it does. I don't. I think it's a, it's a it's a fine song, and I can listen to it and enjoy it. But it doesn't do anything for me if that makes sense. You know, like like I feel like the song is like the history of sex, but it's not sex for me. <laughs> so you know, you probably hit it right there. I mean, I think that you're definitely right with that. I mean, it's it's definitely about it's more of a statement than it is a feeling of like. I want to get everybody sexed up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I, I don't know how to, dis- I, I think if that makes sense, how I described it, I don't know if that yes. makes sense, but that's kind of how I feel about the song. Yeah, that, that makes it, perfect sense. It, I think that the way you can describe it is it, this is a uh, soft core. <laughs> 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 you just get to see the the, the the top part, but nothing down below. You know? Compared to compared to Brandon's pick, I mean, yeah, definitely like the lyrics um, and the feel. The feel of your pick with Paula Cole is like it doesn't feel like a sexy song, but it feels like just kind of like for me, it's like a relaxed song, you know. Yeah. But like the lyrics are definitely, you know, they're titillating. <laughs> like if I listen to the the erotic song by Madonna, it's more like I hear it. I'm like, yeah, sex isn't bad. I do like sex, but it what doesn't <laughs> it doesn't uh, it doesn't say it doesn't make me go. I need this right now. It's just more like, yeah, erotic is a good thing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, to me, to you me know what? Does. I haven't had that in a while. I should do that. <laughs> you know, to me, it does kind of speak like sexuality. I think it's a very sexy song, you know. I, I think it does bring me there, you know. Right, and but and I again, it's it's to each their own. Like we all have our right. our things, and it's like I said, it's not a bad song by any means. It just it like it it doesn't. I don't get the same impact that I do like listening to that Polly Cole song or the Janet Jackson song. It doesn't it it doesn't have that same. Um, sensuality to it for me the, the vibe is different it's right different. for me for it's me like, yeah but it might be different for you because that's we're all different people you know yeah. we all react differently to me i'm pushing to the rhythm so i'm fine i'm perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> no matter what song is on i can hit the jibber crack corn and i don't care as long as the rhythm's there i'm in it so yeah yeah, I hear it. I hear it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's Madonna." You know, <laughs> so Madonna song. Okay, cool. You're like, oh, another one of those sexy Madonna songs. Yeah, again. Cool. <laughs> this is what I will say about Madonna. Madonna has pushed the envelope so much to the point where anything that she comes out with now does not surprise me. It doesn't shock me. I don't get the same right. raw feeling as I would have before because it's what's expected. Like yeah. You can push the envelope so far and then when you get to that point where you can't push it anymore, now it's of the norm. And as long as it's of the norm, then you, you're not really surprised by it. That's how I feel about Madonna. So yeah, good. It's a good song. 
but uh it's 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 not what I would choose, but that's not up to me to decide how you want to use it. Right. So And I wouldn't want it be, to be up to you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Especially for this kind of song. So, sorry, Damon, you can't play that song. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, um yeah. yeah. I'll I'll play it anyway. <laughs> I want to be a rebel. Be okay. 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 It'd be okay. It'd be okay. Taj, what you got, Taj? Come on, Taj. Does Taj have a song? Yeah. I, I do have a song. Okay, so a, a confession. So, like, I listen to music everywhere, like doing dishes, driving a car, doing homework. Like, I have music on everywhere. Um, I, I'm not big about having music on in the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to get there. You know, we, we've done it, you know, a couple times, but but most. Car- it points, you know, it's it's Netflix and chill, you know, it's not music, which is is interesting. But anyways, the um, I didn't have a good, I don't know. Anyways, what I picked was the song that I picked was um, "I Want to Sex You Up" by Color Me Bad. And, you know, I've heard the song a couple times, you know, um, but yeah, other than that, I is I had to come up with something and this is what I came up with. <laughs> and, and I hate to be like that, but but I think it's a good song. I think it's a worthy nominee. Uh, I wish I had more to say about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that's my pick. <laughs> It's one of those songs that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, nobody really has to say too much about it. Um, some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people thought, well, what are they going to come with next? And they came out with another like almost ballad type song. And it kind of killed the career after that. So um, this is definitely one of those picks where I can see you picking it. <laughs> because of how commercialized it is, um, I, I couldn't see you coming with like a real raunchy song. Like, I when I when I put up the theme, I was not thinking Taj is going to come with two of the ping, one in the stink. That's not <laughs> what I was thinking. I knew I knew you were going to come with something kind of commercialized, and, and knew that you'd be giggling trying to get it out. So I already knew what my audience was, but it was something that that made me want to. You know, see where it could go. Um, right. This particular song I know very well. You used to sing it back in school. We used to try to get them to play it at the school dance, and they do it for like thirty seconds and cut it off. Uh, type situations. Yeah, we actually got them to play Prince one time. Get off, and uh, they were like, "Yeah." Teacher's like, "Okay, it's a good little song." And then he said, "22 positions at a one night stand." They were like, "Oh." No, we need to turn that off. This is kind of one of those songs that were like taboo being played at school dances and whatnot. Um, but it definitely held up for for a long bit of time. So it definitely put the group on the map. I mean, they they couldn't go nowhere without singing that song. So I'm not mad at you. So okay, I, I think it's interesting that out of all, out of the four of us, you're the only one that picked the song that was sung by guys. I was going um, to say that too, but I didn't want to take all the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, again, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I thought it was interesting. What does um, that say about us? I don't know. I'm trying no, to it's, it's that Taj is in touch with his feminine side. So I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah. 
And we're, uh, we're just taking on the, the male perspective, I guess. <laughs> we need Freud. Where's Freud? I the, the song itself, it's it's okay. I mean, I've heard it a lot. You know, um, I think at na- at now I, when I hear the song, I think it's really cheesy. Yes. Um, and uh, I think when I, like, I played it when I, I was doing my homework listening and, and uh, my wife was listening and I think she started laughing. Um, and I kind of feel the same way. Like that, that song would definitely not get me in the mood. I, if, if that, like, if you were trying to get, get your lady aroused or your, your partner aroused and they chuckle, that's not good. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense after what you said about how, like, you don't want to play any songs in the bedroom. And this was your choice. That makes sense. So, so the song, the song's all right. I mean, I don't know if I liked it then and I don't really feel any different about it now. It's, it exists. It's okay. But I would definitely not play that to get me in the mood. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is like around, this is like a year before Eurotica came out. I think this is like, so that was ninety one, and yeah. tick tock, you know, stop. Like that's that's all that was on the radio. I don't know why they played it so much, but this this could have been part of the overplayed episode. Um, I think that for for what it is, yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely catchy. I liked it. I do feel differently about it now, but it, it was in New Jack City. You remember? I don't know if you remember that movie, New Jack City, but. That was a big movie, 91 as well. Um, I think that uh, the message is definitely different from what, like, my pick was. And right. at the same time, right? So, I don't know why it brings me to this um, movie, Can't Hardly Wait, with Seth Green. is like, his character is, like, trying to play, like, all this rap music and be cool. And he's trying to get with the ladies. He's trying to have sex, right? And that's, like perfect for like what we're talking about right now like the scene where he's in the bathroom and he's trying to get it on and then the the handle breaks off it's hilarious i could see him listening to color me bad if he was like that took place in the late 90s but not too far from it you know and that's the kind of (laughs) that's the kind of mentality this is like it's like new kids on the block were big then too so you know like i think of donnie Wahlberg and you know the characters for new kids then, which I think a lot of them are still doing music now, but, um, yeah, call me bad. It's not a bad, not a bad group. This was the mentality of the time. I mean, the early nineties, it was like a little bit of chauvinism going on or just like ignorance, you know, or maybe it's just like, it's just like innocent fun, but different from now. I don't think they could do this now. I don't think they could do this now and just be respected for for what their message they're trying to put out. I'm not saying it's a bad message. I'm not trying to say they should be canceled or whatever. But, right. Um, did I like it then? Yeah, it was on the radio all the time. Did I like it now? I mean, it's nostalgia. <laughs> so. It got- yeah, it's got its own lane. I'm sorry, Tyler. What were you going to say? No, no. Uh, go, go ahead. What, what were you guys? I'm looking at something. But I was going to mention something. I know it, it definitely held the chart, uh, the top of the charts for the longest time. It was right around the time where songwriting started to change over, where it was less about the innuendos and more so about the direct approach 
of what you wanted. Um, it's also around the time where, you know, anything that sounded poppy uh, got put on quick, uh, even if it had a um, suggestive message behind it. Radio stations didn't care as long as the beat and the hook sounded sounded like it, it worked. They ran with it. And so, you know, what you saw was a change in culture. It was no more about the, um, you know, slow ballad style R&B anymore. It's more so about the up-tempo hitch beat. Um, what can I say on top of this to make people want to listen type situation? And how can I harmonize it? And that in itself um, brought along a lot of change when it came to like today's artists, even um, more so now these artists that are coming out now literally don't hold anything back. They'll say any and everything that's on their mind and it'll get played on the radio. And the fact that it gets cleared just tells you how far radio is ready, ready to push, even though radio is kind of dead. Um, the main factor now is about playlists and downloads, um, Spotify, you know, things of that nature, Apple Music, any kind of playlist that you can put together with songs that will get somebody thinking or talking about a particular way uh, that the song was made. That's what everybody's pushing for. So you'll hear some of the raunchiest lyrics now, whereas back in the day, we thought just somebody saying sex you up was raunchy within the song. <laughs> and that shows you the change in the culture that's out here now. Yeah. And the thing was like, to match the theme, you know, I, the, the tempo of, um, I want to sex you up. I like better. Uh, really, if, if you want me to pick something that probably teenage me liked, uh, I probably would have picked, uh, Nickelback's animals, <laughs> but that's a really heavy, heavy, uh, that's a rock song, but that song is so raunchy, <laughs> you know, but, but that was, it, so I kind of went back and forth, but I would try and go with something that, that was more, yeah, that, that the tempo matched the the actual deed, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, so, yeah. Do you, uh, you guys want to go ahead and uh, and flip uh, flip the record and uh, start playing side B? Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Gonna- I'm going to take a cold shower and uh, go to side B. All right. So, Cedric, you had homework for us for side B. Yes, I did. Baseball, baseball, baseball. All right. (laughs) Getting that thought of my mind, getting out of the current situations. So, side B is interesting in this this format because um, this songwriter was not only just a songwriter. He was an actor, a child actor. He was a composer. He's literally all over the place. And I chose him because, one, I love this particular movie. Two, he wrote the whole damn soundtrack for this movie. And three, it just, it just it melted in my soul how much the two go together and how significant it is, even in today's times, of what it is about songwriting within itself. Me being a songwriter, me being a producer, me being somebody who um, can can appreciate arts for where they come from, I definitely fell in love with this whole production. So for those who don't know, um, the album that I was talking about was a soundtrack off of a 1976 movie called um, Bugsy Malone. Um, But the artist himself that wrote it 
was uh, Paul Hamilton Williams Jr. Uh, for those who don't know, it's Paul Williams is what he goes by. Um, so long of a list of accolades and things that he's been a part of. It's crazy. Um, for like, he wrote, co-wrote like popular songs, um, the number of acts from the seventies, uh, three dogs nights, old fashioned love song, um, out in the country, uh, you and me against the world, David Bowie's film with fill your heart, the carpenters, uh, will only just belong or only just begun, um, rainy days and Mondays, like the accolades are like down the list. Um, he wrote, uh, a love theme for Barbara Streisand for A Star Is Born. Um, I mean, he won a Grammy for that for Song of the Year. Like musical career, he's definitely That's been amazing, all the place. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, uh, he saw what Tiny Tim on the B side of Tiptoe Through the Tulips, um, from David Bowie. Um, like it's so many different accolades that he's been a part of. That it's kind of like crazy to even try to try to bring up the list. Um, um, some someday man who was covered by the monkeys that kind of made it a little bit popular. Um, he also did the Rainbow Connection by Jim Henson, Kermit the Frog, the Muppet movies. Um, like Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Uh, he, he was a part of that with Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges, like all over the place. You can't literally think of anything and it does not have something to do with Paul Williams involved. Um, he made a cameo appearance as himself on Dexter's Laboratory, which is popular on, on, you know, Cartoon Network. Uh, he, he was a child actor himself. Um, and for this situation, let me just bring it back down. Uh, a little bit. And let's talk about Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone was a movie, um, basically with Scott Bale and Jodie Foster and a couple of other people that were involved in it. But it was uh, a gangster style movie set in the time of kids playing the role of the gangsters and of the adults. So instead of an adult movie being about gangsters and things of that nature, it was about kids playing those roles. And instead of shooting each other and killing each other with bullets, they shot each other with cream pies and, and, and marshmallows. So, um, it, it took on an adult content role, uh, but it made it so light and heart heavy that, you know, you couldn't do nothing but fall in love with it. So, the reason why I brought it up is because there was a soundtrack to this particular movie where Paul Williams wrote the soundtrack. You don't hear that a lot, especially nowadays. You hear a lot of collaborations, a lot of individuals that will come in and, and, and put their two cents in. And, and it's a whole production team behind a particular soundtrack, especially for a movie. In this situation, his name was on all the credits. He literally wrote, produced, co-produced did the singing background singing the whole nine which is like unheard of um for you know nowadays in these type of situations so um that in itself was something that i brought up and i, I fell in love with just following the backstory of how that came about and when it comes to the soundtrack itself the soundtrack is very musical it is a musical based uh format so you know, you're going to hear all these songs inside the actual movie at one point or another. And my favorite that I have to pick, which I love the whole damn album. Let me just get that understood. There's not really a favorite that sticks out in my mind, but the reason why it's my favorite is because 
I caught this movie watching TV back in the day when you only had like 15, 20 channels, um, not 600 or whatever is out here now. There was no HD. Uh, it was during the KMVA days where they had the, the movie, Mad Name movie playing at 12 o'clock on Sundays. And I actually caught a hold of the movie. And the reason I caught a hold of the movie was there was this one part that I turned the channel to. And the song was, So You Want to Be a Boxer. And it was about this guy that was trying to be a boxer in the ring. And he went to Joe's boxing ring. And so Joe was telling him all the things that he needs to do in order to be a boxer. And all the guys are chomping at the bitch, trying to take a take a chunk out of him, trying to kill his dreams. And Joe is like the only one that's sitting there saying, hey, you know, um, uh, if you don't have this, you ain't got it, so to speak. And so it was like the way in which it came across and the triple drum that, that comes in in the beginning of each riff and, and, and the way that the beat flowed and, and the whole harmonies in the background of everybody going, mm, let me Adam Joe. <laughs> it just literally caught my heart. And as I went back, I went and got the, D, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, cassette, not cassette, um, DHS. DHS yeah, VHS. Yes, I literally went back and bought the VHS. Um, and then from there, I lost the VHS and bought the DVD. Uh, and some of the sound quality was taken out with the DVD, but you know, I can understand it for what it is. And even now, if you listen to it, you don't get the full fullness of a vinyl chart of it, but it still is there and it still holds a whole heart, um, on the sleeve type feeling for me. So for me in itself, that was one of my best moments um, in, in formulating a soundtrack to an actual movie. Um, it makes a whole lot of sense to me, for, for lack of a better term. There's so many other tracks on here, and I don't want to name them just for the fact that I don't want to you know, you know crap on somebody else's favorite track and what they pull off of it. But just keep in mind, this is, is like a musical, and it is based in a musical setting. So your mindset has to be different from it. But every song is different. Every song has its own tone, its own life, its own force that comes out of it. So... Tell me what y'all think about the tracks and, and how y'all felt about it. Do you want to go first, Taj, or do you want me to go? You go first. <laughs> okay. I'll follow up. All right. So I don't know if you guys remember last episode when uh, Diedrich announced his homework. I was the one that applauded. And the reason why I applaud is because... I'd never seen that. That was, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I am right there with Diedrich on this album. I love this movie i love the music i adore paul williams i think he is one of the best songwriters of all time yes um this and and what's what's great is like i i think i have probably probably a similar uh, uh, how would i describe it? like my my discovery is probably very similar to yours Diedrich. so this was one of those kind of films that Used to play matinee on local TV, like on Saturdays and Sundays. And I think the first time I ever saw it, just like you're flipping through the channels and then you see this. And I don't remember anyone else being home. And I swear every time that that movie played on like a matinee, I was the only one at home and I was the only one that ever watched it. 
And so, and it's one of those kind of things for, for the longest time, I always felt like, did I make this movie up? Um, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, because like I would mention that to other people, people I knew. And I'm like, have you ever seen this film about kids being gangsters? And people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's not one of your fever dreams, Brandon. Shut up. Uh, so, you know, so then, like, of course, as I get older, you know, I, I definitely know the, the name of the movie. And uh, and then, you know, then I get older and older. And then I learn who Paul Williams is because I didn't know who Paul Williams was. I just knew I loved the movie and I loved the songs. And then I got into Paul Williams at some point, probably in my 30s. Uh, or like late twenties, early thirties, because one of my favorite movies of all time is Phantom of the Paradise. And Paul Williams is one of the lead actors. He plays Swan in it and he wrote all the songs in Phantom of the Paradise. And then, you know, you go down that rabbit hole and I'm like, Oh shit. You, he did all these Muppet movies, you know, like, and he also even, he did like Muppets Christmas Carol as well. And, uh, and, and then you just like, you see, like, you have, you've already like, already like named so many here, Diedrich, but you just see the list and you're like, Oh my God. Like, this guy is prolific, you know? Yes. And yes. yeah. And like, you know, he started like, like you said, as a child actor, had his own bands, was a solo artist. He was an actor. He's even in Plan the Apes, one of the Plan the Ape movies. Um, I mean, he's all over the place, you know? Um, so anyway, then like, then I real I discovered that he wrote all the music to Bugsy Malone. And then once I rewatched it and you hear his voice coming out of all these kids, like in many of the, many of the songs, I'm like, oh my God, no wonder I love Bugsy Malone because <laughs> I love Paul Williams. Like I've loved Paul Williams since I was a kid and I didn't know it. Yep. Um, so anyway, I adore this movie. Um, I got to show it to, to my wife a few years ago. She loves it. Uh, there was a recent remastered Blu-ray that came out in the last year and I picked that up and I rewatched it again a couple nights ago for this episode and same feelings that I got when I was a kid, you know, and you can't say that about every movie. There's movies that don't hold up that don't have that, 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 that give you that nostalgia. And when I watched that movie, I remember what it felt like watching it for the first time on television back when I was a kid. And um, I love this movie. I love the songs. I think every song is great. Um, the album, like the album itself, is a little bit different than some of the songs that are in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I, so you know, uh, but but it like it doesn't matter if whether it's the movie version or the soundtrack version. The songs are great, no matter what. Um, yeah, I, I just, I adore this. I, I'm so glad you picked it. I never would have thought in a million years that this would have been your choice, Diedrich. It's not, not to say that like you don't know the movie, but it's just not something that I thought anybody would pick, you know? Like I, I've certainly have thought about Phantom of the Paradise, but I didn't, you know, Bugsy Malone. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? But I'm so glad you did. Um, so yeah, I love this movie. I love the album. I love Paul Williams. I love everything about it. Um, and if I had to pick a favorite track, which is very hard, um, you know, for me, it was a close tie. Um, 
I, I almost went with tomorrow because I love tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow's yeah. But the one I'm gonna go with is you give a little love at the very end of the movie. I love that song because I love that they use a song earlier in the movie called Bad Guys and then then they bring it on home with you give a little love. The two together just go hand in hand. The message is so good. And whenever I hear that song, it makes me so happy and so joyous. And it makes me just feel it makes me feel like, you know, you can do anything and you can accomplish anything. And um, I, I just I love I love this movie. I love the soundtrack. I love Paul Williams and Diedrich. I love you for picking it. Ah, oh, thank you, bro. I love you too. I really do. Hey, and just to reiterate on what you were just talking about, it's crazy how how you can see something and think it was a figment of your imagination, only to find out no, it really was real. And when you were talking about the two songs, the bad guys, and um, just give it a little love, like how do you take one song and turn it into two separate songs, like yeah. that? That is mind blowing and put it on the same soundtrack. Not like they're two separate songs and go off in their different ways. They're on the same project. That's crazy. Yeah. And so genius in which he was coming with. He was ahead of his time for sure. Oh, yeah. And and Paul Williams has done that multiple times in many different movie soundtracks. Yes. Like who remembers Emmett Otter's uh Junk, uh, junk band? Chris He did all the he did all the music in that, and those songs are incredible. All of it, like, it's to- totally credible. Like, yeah, this, yeah I definitely love it. Look, look up this this man's resume. It's it's just it's amazing. His resume is damn near second to none. There's not very many that can hold a torch to it. I'm just yeah. gonna say that right there. He was yeah. in Smokey and the Bandit. Who all knows about Smokey and the Bandit? Come on, man. Like, dude. Yep. Get yourself yep. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. So yeah. I love it. Great choice. So, so um, I had never seen the movie. So <laughs> when you guys told me this was happening, I was like, okay, there's a movie with this and my kids might like it. Um, so it, in order to prepare for the homework, I actually watched the movie first. And then I, I did listen to the album. I, so first of all, the, the first question I asked myself, and I know I called two of you guys, I was like, how have I never seen this movie before? Like, <laughs> it, you have to understand, my parents raised me on black and white films, 50s rock, and um, you know, I know I at least saw The Sting like two or three times as a kid. So it's like, how did I never see this stuff? And my parents like British stuff, too. So it's like, somehow, I just missed this movie as a kid. And... Um, it's it's amazing. It's weird. It's it's super interesting. I went down the rabbit hole with the movie and, and was like, and you know, saw like a a short documentary. Like half the kids were from Britain, half of them were from the United States, half of them were acting, and half of them were like, that's really who they were at that time because <laughs> they they pulled some kids from Boston. <laughs> and he's like. Yo, this is how we were acting in Boston. Other than the, the lines, you know, it, this the personality w- was actually me. And um, it, it's thinking on it now. It's kind of like it's kind of like improv. It's building the airplane while you're crashing to the ground. But this movie came together somehow because because there's some of the parts where they were talking about how 
the movie was filming and they're like, hey, the kid doesn't sound anything like Paul Williams, but they're like, oh, we'll just go with it. It's fine. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and so, but yeah, somehow it just, it all works. And yeah, the soundtrack for sure is a big part of that. That's what keeps the plane in the air for sure is that and, and all the songs. And, um, if I had to pick, I think the first one that I go to is, so you want to be a boxer? I mean, the, for sure tomorrow and, you know, give a little love or the other ones, but yeah, the, the, it, I think it, it has to be the boxer song. Cause that song is just like, okay. So, yeah. <sighs> Whoo, that's fast. That's fast. I'm sorry. Did I talk too fast? <laughs> no, nah, you're good. You're good, man. I totally love it. Damon, what you think about the pig, bro? Oh, so, um, wow. I, I want to say, I, I don't know if I've seen this movie as a kid, but I love the cast. So this is, is this before Charles in charge? Yes. It's long before. Yeah. Yeah. Long before. And he was a kid. He was, himself. he was a kid. And okay. So this is like kind of like Scott Baio's start. Yes. He, he okay. attributes to this to a start. And then the, the other thing, this movie released the same year that Taxi released. So right. Jody Foster had been Tag- Taxi Driver. Or Taxi Driver. Sorry. Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver is kind of like a horror movie, right? Is it or is it like a thriller? The thriller. It's a, it's a psychological. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's a psychological thriller. Yeah. I think they redid it's, it. It's a it's a study on the psyche of a man on the brink of disaster. <laughs> right. Really? <laughs> and I, so I would say, okay, phenomenal. When when I when I, I've listened to the album three times, um, I can't say that I've done that with all the choice albums, but with this, okay. So like, there's a place in Texas called Uncertain Texas, right? Uh-huh. And we're close to Shreveport, Louisiana. So they have this like place called the tea house and i'm sure during prohibition that was like that was the place to go in that area for uncertain texas now uncertain texas only has like i believe there's only like 500 people that live there maybe maybe i think it's like 400 but this the so the movie is based on speakeasies and pro the prohibition era trying to get away with stuff, but it's, it's like a satire on that. Like it's, it's kind of like, it's sort of like, it's sort of comical, but serious, which I love Jodie Foster, by the way. And I think around this time, there's a movie that if you haven't seen it, I'm going off a little bit with Joe, Jodie Foster, because I think she's great. I mean, she did things like, okay, science of the lamps. Everybody knows the horror um, of that movie and that, you know, she's one of the main characters, right? So she's done a lot of like horror type stuff, but really, really not gory, but like really well done seventies and early eighties films that are kind of like the horror or the spooky genre. Um, but she did like, uh, she did something called little girl who lives down the lane. And so Martin Sheen is in that too. And that is, that is, a phenomenal movie and that's close to the time that she did this but uh bugs me alone wow i i'm blown away so my so right off the bat my 
first favorite track is Bad Guys. And I think that a lot of the songs on, on the album are like very similar, but I think it's on purpose. And I feel like I've gone back in time. I mean, it's, it's, it's so awesome the way it's composed, the music, um, the lyrics, everything. I, I'm kind of right there with you, Dietrich. I don't have like a favorite because I like the whole album. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like bad guys was my first, like, okay, this is awesome. Um, I, I, I kind of felt like dancing when I was listening to this. It was, it was, yeah, I didn't think I was going to feel that way, but, um, so bad guys. And then my name is Tallulah is my second favorite. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I, and I want to say Paul Williams is great. Yes. Uh, Planet of the Apes. My wife is a huge fan of Planet of the Apes. Um, Battle for Planet of the Apes is what he was saying, right, Brandon? Am mm-hmm. I wrong about that? Mm-hmm. And it's Vir- Virgil's like the big, like orangutan character. Yeah. He's an orangutan in it. Oh, so awesome. Uh, and then he's like composing music and he's an actor. And I mean, that there's so, something to be said about this, the late 70s where pieces like this were done. Like this is around like the Star Wars era where I just I I love how I think he did some stuff with like Jim Henson, too. Right. Paul oh, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. on with the Muppets. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that to me, that is like that. That's true art. You can't you can't really compare like the digital video, like graphics, everything that you see today to what you saw then where you, that's all you had. But it was done so fucking well that it was like, OK, you wouldn't think, oh, yeah, so this is like something that someone's just moving around, whatever. It's 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 such a true art form. I think it's a shame that we can't have stuff more stuff like that today. But yeah, Bugsy Malone is like I haven't seen the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna watch it. And I th- I, I want to say I saw it, but I think because I saw a lot of a lot of younger Jodie Foster stuff, I feel like I saw it, but I don't I don't think I've seen it yet. So, um, but I also want to say the director is Alan Parker, right? Yes. So yes. Alan Parker, he just passed away not so long ago, 2020. So um, he had a lot of influence on stuff like Pink Floyd's The Wall, which is amazing, right? So he had a lot of like film music influence, which I think that helped with something like Bugsy Malone. Um, I mean, Evita. I want to say Evita because that's Madonna's movie. Uh, and that was my, you know, my choice for tonight, but, um, yeah, phenomenal. You have like a great composer. You have a great director. You have, you have people like Jodie Foster and you have someone like Scott Baio. I mean, just unreal. And so you have the, you have the acting, you have like, you know, the, the right idea for how a scene should be. And how the music should fit. I mean, I yeah, no, I'm blown away. I think yeah, this is something that should be uh, so shared for sure. You know, it, it was something like 
200 kids and 20 adults. <laughs> so you, you only had the, the adults are way outnumbered, but you have right. 20 adults trying to get 200 kids to act and behave, and it it, it was chaos. Because <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I mean, what I think what I think is great about this film too is that you know he made this film the director. He because he wanted to make a film for his kids that they could watch that and it showed what he was inspired by and what he watched as a kid. But he wanted to make something that his kids could watch that was appropriate for his children. And I think he he did that and and more. Um it's yeah, it's just it's incredible. And a little tidbit. I just want to throw this out, a little movie fact about it. So there's a character that I know at least Diedrich and Taj should know called Babyface. Uh-huh. And Babyface ended up becoming a film director. His name is Dexter Fletcher. He went on to do Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Ah. Okay. Very awesome. Very awesome. So. And you know what? I, I Okay. You said Bohemian Rhapsody. That is spot on that's that's where some of the songs in this um this soundtrack took me i was like okay it took it took me to the scene of wayne's world which okay that's where i i think of bohemian rhapsody but it has that same i don't know like the same beat it's like um i don't know dietrich do you know if a lot of the music the instruments that they used were they using um synthesizers was there a lot of like drums and you know what i mean i, I do want to state really quick that Babyface was a kid he was a kid when he he was in the film he wasn't an adult right yeah he was a kid <laughs> right. he was a little kid <laughs> yeah no he was a kid but yeah it was um they experimented on a lot of boards in order to get certain sounds out of it and, and definitely took a theatrical approach to a lot of music, especially with Queen. So, um, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, kind of hit the, the chord when it came to how that music came about because he didn't want to be, you know, just regular rock rhythm and roll, you know, two, four count type situation. They wanted to make a whole scene out of every track. It wanted to take you places that you normally would not go to in your mind when you listen to a music. So this, that formula and that format, um, I don't want to say was, was carried forward with this particular sound. Um, but what I will say is, um, Paul Williams is a freaking genius based off of what he took out of the situation. And, you know, you got, he's singing this, these songs on behalf of adult themed thought processes, but you've got kids acting the songs out and they, they lend their hand to it you know, hand and foot all the way, all the way through. And yeah, you know, it's not them singing, but you still get caught up in the mix because of how they're singing, how they're presenting it, how it's coming across and the whole nine. So that I definitely fell in love with. Like um, the song tomorrow, tomorrow is about somebody wanting to be a dancer and nobody believing in that individual to do so like that. That in itself is that shows motivation, that shows grit, that shows, you know, how I'm going to make it no matter what you say. You're going to consider me the next Fred Astaire. Like, 
at the time, you know, back in the 70s or whatever, that was monumental. Now, when you go back and think about it, just how far forward was that thought process? Um, like, so you want to be a boxer. It gave you reality situations. You know, you, you really got to be in focus with the situation. If you're not, then you're not about it. And we're going to, we're going to expose you and we're going to, we're going to show you what it is. Um, my name is Tallulah. Like when you brought up Damon, it's literally, if you want to take it for like a call girl or, or, or escort or, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? A burlesque, whatever situation you could take it as such, but she's not taking it as such. She's like, I'm telling you who I am. I tell you what I do. I tell you what I represent. If you like it, great. If you don't go on about your way, because it's not for you. Yeah. He's well, a, you, don't, and he, you, you don't, you know, another song in that movie that I think is underappreciated is down and out. Boy, that down and out is what what really sold me on on the situation because one, you got the sound of it down, 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 mm-hmm. down, yeah, down and out. Like it literally, like when you got you know several people saying that, and you you can like relate in your particular situation. Like you feel like you're down and out, but it's really a motivational song. Like. That that's mine, and and that's bounds above what it was supposed to be. And I wish if they would have put this movie out and play it for kids today, like it might change some of the mindsets they may have. You know, if if I got to curate like kid movies, you know, like let's say like I got to curate a Saturday matinee, this would definitely be one that I'd want to put on there because I would want to introduce this to a bunch of kids because oh, it, it's yeah. just phenomenal. And really quick, I just want to say before we sign out here soon. Um, highly recommend watching the documentary Still Alive, Paul Williams Still Alive, because Paul Williams disappeared for a while. And for a long time, people thought Paul Williams was dead, but he was still alive and still famous in other countries. And they made a documentary that followed him. And it's phenomenal. OK, he is an international phenomenon for sure. And like he's what eighty one right now, and 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 mm-hmm. kicking all over the place, and still getting it in. Like you can't yeah. that just because. Like you, you really have to have a talent for that. Yeah, <laughs> on that his talent. On that Blu-ray, there's a little featurette, uh, and it was recorded in 2021, and he's still firing all, on all cylinders. They uh, they had an interview with him, and it was great. Wait, it and what? What I think is interesting is I think this movie is is pr- maybe more popular across the pond because the the documentary that I watched was celebrating the 40th anniversary, and so they, they uh, brought together like uh, the all of uh, Fat Sam's uh, gang, and, and you know we're interviewing them in England, and then they came over to the United States and interviewed the the four Americans. So, but it, it seems. Like, I think this movie has another life in England. Like, yeah. if you go to England, people are going to know this. But if you come to the United States, people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and and I want to say really quick, shout out to the kid that played Fat Sam. Because he uh, was amazing in that was, movie. Yeah. But he said that was really him. He, like, everything I saw, he's like, it, that was just me being me. It's like, <laughs> 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 so but yeah is this like the first sandlot it's kind of like a yeah younger younger crowd 
I, yeah. I, I really want to like Goonies or something like that. Like I, I, I really want to check this movie out. I, I feel like I did see it. I might have been too young to remember it, but it, we have you, we have something to watch this weekend for sure. You know what? I, w- I would compare it more to uh, Hook, but with no adults. Like this is very much is the it's like a kids movie, but absolutely not a single adult in it. And and so th- that's what I would compare it to more that than is this. Great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's like it's like the the what is it the Never Neverland Boys? What are they called? Like the Lost Boys? Yeah, the, yeah. Lo- the yeah. Lost Peter Boys. If, the Lost Boys. If they decided to put on a uh, 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 you know a gangster film from the 30s, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it, and it's very much it, it has all the tropes of a gangster film, but it's that British sensibility of this is what we think American gangsters are. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> General, so good. But, well, Paul yeah, Williams did some work with uh, a lot of artists. I think he worked with like even like David Bowie and yep. And that's that's like that right there is badass. Just just by saying David Bowie and the Carpenters, like who can have that credit to their yeah. name? Not very many. That is a short list. And he was a big celebrity in seven in the seventies. He was on Johnny Carson all the time, all the time. I mean, he was I, in Planet of the Apes. I mean, this is like that's. That blows my mind. I mean, this there's too much there. And again, yeah. Phantom of the Paradise, guys, one of my favorite yes. movies, and he's so good in it. We're gonna have to have a film uh, fest at your place, Brandon, based on yeah. Some we of the, we need to write mentions. down a list, man. I think we're gonna be up all night. <laughs> I know. We're gonna have to do it though. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta I'll be. Get the, I'll bring the booze. <laughs> I'll, I'll supply the movie. <laughs> nice. I, I got chips and dips. Taj, you can show your pretty face on the screen somewhere, and we'll we'll figure it out. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. I'm excited right. now. This better happen. <laughs> All right. So, do you want to go ahead and sign out? No, no, no. Hold on. Oh, no, no, I, I forgot. I, I think we have something yeah. else going on. Yeah. So this, is, this is kind of where we go to go to uh, what? What is it called? Side B. We're towards the end of the record, but you have to uh, assign us some homework, Damon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is the, uh, this is like the hidden track on side B. Um, so if you stuck around this long, you're still listening. I have a lot of, I have a lot of bands that I really love. Um, when I pick a choice, tr- choice album, it's different from a choice track, right? I think the choice, like a lot of, I think we all do this where the choice album is definitely something that's more near and dear. Um, it's really hard for me to say what my favorite choice album is at any time, but I don't know if it's too soon, but I, I want to, I want to spotlight something for you guys and your homework is going to be probably something that you're very familiar with. So that's fine. But I've seen these guys live. Um, the band is Pearl Jam. Mm. And the album is 10. <sighs> okay. All right. I hope that was good. <laughs> that, was, that, was a good that, was, that was a great sigh. That was a damn it. You hit the nail on the head type situation. Yes. I love 10. I love Pearl Jam. I saw them at ACL. I wouldn't want to see them anywhere else. 
that that hit the spot. Matter of fact, I would want to see him somewhere else. I want to see him in a Seattle bar with practically nobody in it and loving that intimate setting. That's what I wish I would have seen him when they were coming up. So they were, yes. Yeah, so they're they're a Seattle band. Um, formerly, most of the members were a part of a band called Mother Love Bone, and that's that's kind of like that's the beginning of a new thing, a new era in Seattle rock um, grunge. That's that's what I grew up with. Um, so that's what it is. I think Brandon and I are geeking out about some of the you know the offspring stuff because that that was kind of like our thing in the nineties. We're the same. Yeah. We're all we're all about the same age, but like, yeah. I I think that this hits home with a lot of things for me. But I didn't know if it was too soon. But here it is. All right, works. Well, there we go. So everyone, that's your homework for next next week's episode. Pearl Jam's ten. Ten, not nine, and not eleven. Ten. Don't confuse them, Tosh. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been uh, Choice Tracks. You can find us on our website of choicetracks.com or email us at choicetracks at gmail. Um, and uh, please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes. Um, and then let's go and sign out. I've been Taj. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. And I'm Dietrich. <laughs> We're going to yeah. <laughs> we're gonna keep spinning those choice tracks. Oh wait, no, we're gonna we're gonna pick up that needle, but you keep spinning those choice tracks. Or we can spin them too. It's yeah, fun. Uh, it's we're fun. gonna keep spinning. We're gonna keep spinning. Down.